claims it's his fault that his daughter and her mother... There aren't any birth records connecting you to a daughter. ...driving when their car went off a cliff. Can't get out of bed because of uh, vertigo. I've never seen such an intense case of vertigo before. A pleasure meeting you, Ed. I'm Dr. Lomas. Doctor in what exactly? Doctor. I'll give you free reign over my memories, my trauma, my room, my troubles. You got one hour. One. Because everyone treats me like I'm crazy. Dr. Lomas, it's Sheriff Reyes. Is Ed under investigation? Is he the suspect of a crime? What do you want to know? What do you want to tell me? Does she exist? Take talk, doctor. everyone to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and all those sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. I'm your totally obsessed host, Steve Guntley. Uh, who else is joining me today? The Awkward Showdown. <laughs> we have an order. Politely, I always go last. Politely, who, decide, who gets to speak uh, first? I'm J-Ban. Welcome, J-Ban. Who else is here? Hi, I'm Justin. Welcome, Justin. Happy to have you guys here. Uh, it's a special episode this week. It's a J-Band's Choice episode. We let you uh, upend the carefully plotted out uh, itinerary that I had meticulously worked out with NASA scientists. But uh, it was worth it because you got to pick your own movie and game that we are talking about this week. What did you pick, J-Band? I picked Vertigo, and sometimes I'm, I'm second-guessing myself. <laughs> Hey, look, sometimes we take chances in life, and sometimes they don't necessarily work out. But you know what? We got to watch Vertigo this week. That's always pretty nice. Sometimes we watch like 45 movies in a row that are just about unhealthy relationships. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what we did. Yeah, that's kind of what the game version is. Uh, A lot of people may be out there wondering, like, um, I can't believe that they made a game of Vertigo. How do you make a game of Vertigo? The answer is uh, you kind of don't. You, you make a game, and then you slap Vertigo on it. That's kind of the strategy, but um, I think this is going to be an interesting one to talk about for a couple reasons. Firstly, like... There, there are plenty of, like, great movies on our list, but, like, there are very few that have the claim to be the best in the world. You know, some people have labeled Vertigo as the best movie ever made. It's consistently in, like top 10 polls all around the world and uh you know we're gonna have the godfather coming up at a certain point too so i think that's the only one that's given this a run for its money this is also unusual because we are playing a movie-based video game that was made within the last five years the 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 the, that concept is kind of completely dried up so this is one of the few one and only chances we get to play a game on the ps5 and it's also interesting because 
This is maybe the loosest. Well, I'm going to say this is definitely the loosest adaptation we've seen so far. Even looser than Gotcha. I mean, like, the Gotcha game, which again, to reiterate for those that didn't listen, is three levels of paintball action, uh, is uh, more accurate to its movie source than this one. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I I was. I think I had higher hopes for this game than... I, I had so much hope. I was yeah. just like, I was all excited. We were going to play a new game. Yeah. Ooh. New. It was made in our lifetimes. Like, we were alive when this game came out. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty remarkable. But either way, we get a chance to talk about Alfred Hitchcock for the one and only time on this show. There is not a Psycho game. That There's was not a Psycho the, game? There was one released in the UK, uh, but there was not one released in the US. Like, And there, there was like a... A Hitchcock labeled game in the early 2000s called like The Lost Tape or something like that, which was also a point and click adventure, but it didn't have anything to do with any actual Hitchcock properties and really kind of neither does this <laughs> one um, other than some aesthetic choices, I guess. Um, th- both men have vertigo. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> which they seem to be confusing with like another. Well, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, Post. PTSD, severe PTSD. Severe PTSD. Oh. PTSD. <laughs> Inability to get out of your bed. I don't know what that's called, but yeah. Isn't that just life? It's, it's, uh, it's Grandpa Charlie, or Grandpa Joe syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, Charlie Bucket's grandpa. Um, but <laughs> first Deep of all, references. I feel like, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, this is your first time watching Vertigo. Correct. Yeah, what did you feel about it, or what did you think about it? This is kind of like one of those very uh, essential like film I'm, school movies. Yeah, like I'm very interested to see what your opinion about well, Vertigo is. Well, somebody who dropped out of film school one semester in. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I watched Citizen Kane, and that was it. That's as far as we got. You're like, can't do better. <laughs> Walking away. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was it was interesting. Um, I I didn't like the main character. Because he was yeah. kind of a dick. Scotty. His name is Scotty. Scotty. Look, I don't John remember. Scotty Ferguson. And then was it Fitzgerald was the guy who hired him? It was... Um, something like that? Il- no, Il- what was his name? Iltsy. Something like that. Uh, I don't know where you're coming out with Iltsy. I'm pretty Neither sure do it's Iltsy. I'm pretty <laughs> Wait, sure it's Iltsy. Do we watch the same I-L-T-S-E? Is that how you're saying Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Iltsy. I think you are having a stroke. Uh, Gavin Elster. Gavin was, Elster. It was close. I mean, those letters close. are in those two names uh, combined. Look, I. <laughs> you know, like my name is Tuggis. <laughs> you know. uh, two really easy names to get confused Gavin and Fitzgerald. Yeah, and Ilse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everyone loves Ilse. Uh, <laughs> I. I, yeah, I mean, I think they there's a lot of really fun shots that they did. There was one where they are in uh, like a shop of some kind talking to the guy who who kind of is a bit more connected. He knows people, knows some stuff, and he's just like asking him some history things. And like the camera is framed facing out to the front of the shop, so you can see. LA San Francisco San Francisco yeah it's some Californian city yeah. you can see the San Francisco going ons in the background which I thought was pretty cool um and so I think the cinematography was oftentimes fun but um yeah I didn't at no point did I like what the main character was doing uh, or behaving. I, I wonder if any single person has ever loved this movie on first viewing. I it's a so, challenging movie. This movie looks 
beautiful. Oh my god. The set design, the costuming, that gray suit that Madeline slash Judy wears is exceptional. Like, uh, what is with Hitchcock and gray suits? Uh, like, the one from yeah. Northway, North by Northwest is also a very famous gray suit. I feel like, like Tippi Hedren had a similar one in The Birds. Yeah, too. she yeah. did. Um, and, like, so beautiful costuming, uh, beautiful makeup, beautiful, like... Uh, like it really brings San Francisco to life and like this really glorious way. Uh, super, super shady people though. Oh yeah. I, one thing that I did notice, um, it seemed, and I don't know anything to back this up, but it seemed like they were, they were lighting the sets similar to how they would light sets now. Um, and so what that I mean, meant, there was a lot of like outdoor photography too, which is well, rare at this time. Yeah. It, the, a lot of the scenes felt, uh, like a lot of movies from the olden times feel kind of flat because the lighting is very, we're lighting from like one direction, but the lighting felt layered. There was some backlighting happening in yeah. some of the scenes. Um, and so it really helped, it really helped make things pop the way that they were lighting it. Because it kept your focus, but then things were happening in the background, and you're like, there's a world out there. Um, yeah, they this... do a lot of background. Like, the scene with uh, Scotty and other dude. Um... Iltsy. Gavin. <laughs> Gavin. No, Fitzgerald. Let's just call him... Fitzgerald. That's... Fitzgerald. Um, that's, um, like, they do the... they You see the entire shipping yard. Um, but, so, we start off we open with this man having this very traumatic situation first of all who runs on roofs like i i yeah. think i don't know have you not seen a james Bourne and or james bond i'm just film? saying that like jason Bourne. i'm super curious <laughs> what the first movie ever is where you have like cops running on roofs it's just like i don't i just feel like yeah. i think it was like very new york New, like New yeah, York's even like a, taller. It feels <laughs> like a Dirty Harry kind of thing. Yeah, you know? well, I guess yeah. Dirty Harry is San Francisco. Too. He's Dirty yeah. Harry. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. Dirty Harry, and yeah, I've seen bits of Dirty Harry. But. Yeah, I mean, um, th this is like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot to question about. Like, this this is a movie that really likes to play with your concept of reality. Like, because, like you say, this opening scene where they're chasing this unknown criminal who we never learned anything about across these rooftops, like that feels. That does not feel of a piece with anything else that happens in this movie, right? Like, I think that's kind of one of the cool tricks of this movie is that it's always messing with you and making you question about what's real and what's imagined. Well, there's like this whole genre of films in the 50s and early 60s that was basically like, I got a hard on for psychology. Um, and it, <laughs> That's what they're called. Yeah, that's what the genre is called. And it, like, well it, well, it is because they're like, they often, it, it's men pretending to be psychiatrists for distraught women sure <laughs> um, it's gaslighting and, and like, like that yeah. uh, it, well in like marnie like another hitchcock film he literally just pretends to be her psychiatrist throughout like her boyfriend or husband pretends to be a psychiatrist throughout the thing and it's very problematic yeah. but there's this idea that through the power of of a manly sex and psychology, you could heal a woman um, from her ills. I, I Sounds think, true. I think to a degree, I, and I think maybe it's like, I mean, I think it's toxic, but it's the, like, it's not, 
Like, there's the toxic masculine way, which is, I'm going to be cool, and I'm going to fight the bad guys and protect you. And then this is, like, the uh, the more, like, refined gentleman way of being toxically romantic. Yeah. Because you're doing, you're helping her with your brain because you're <laughs> the only one who can fix this woman. And it's, it's, a, it's a level of intimacy that they weren't really allowed to show in movies. It's like you're penetrating her mind, you mm. know, but you can't see anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, like. No, I mean, it, not, not, not even being facetious. Man. That's kind of the idea. This woman, this fucking man. he sees this man, like Scotty sees this woman jump into San Francisco Bay and his response, instead of taking her to the hospital, is to take her to his bedroom, remove yeah. every, every stitch of clothing yep. and put her in his bed naked yeah. instead of taking her to the hospital. Like this whole movie would never have happened if he had just acted appropriately. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those, and it's it's a movie specifically about a poorly behaving man, and I think that the, I think that this movie is also Hitchcock confessing on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to take a step back a little bit, I think Vertigo is one of those classic uh, misunderstood upon release kind of movies. Like, it wasn't a total flop. Like, it made its money back kind of only just, but this was sandwiched between a couple of huge... I think his next movie was North by Northwest, which Ugh, I think is his biggest... So good. No, it's the second biggest hit because then we get Psycho directly after that, which is like... So he's in the hot streak right now. And also, because of that, we get a wonderful festival that makes Austin crazy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, which, <laughs> I've mean, never actually partaken in. But yeah. uh, um, I volunteer every year for South by Southwest. It's a fucking blast. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds so. I want to go to it next year. But like, I think uh, somebody just died outside. Oh, that's likely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep going. Ignore it's that a that rough happened. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I used to live <laughs> block away. <laughs> now I'm suspecting you. No, but um, this this is a classic one of those like critics did not get it. It was kind of lambasted at the time, and then this movie disappeared. For nearly 30 years, because it was tied up with some stuff with uh, Hitchcock's estate, it wasn't allowed to be distributed anywhere. And then this movie comes back out in the 90 in the 80s, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, this movie's great! Why did we not pay attention to this when it came out?" And it started getting like more and more well regarded, you know. So the sight and sound poll is kind of considered like the definitive ranking of movies. Like, if we want to know what the best movie in the world is, you look to the sight and sound poll. It comes out once every 10 years. And for most of the Sight and Sound Poll's history, it's been Citizen Kane. That's been number one for the longest time. And number two is the Alvin and Chipmunks movie. Uh, the Squeakquel, yeah. yeah. Specifically oh, the Squeakquel. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah but... I, I, always, I forget the first one happened. Oh, yeah. No, because Squeakquel, that one was just so it, it's, good. That's the Godfather 2 of the uh, Chipmunks franchise. Um, but, like, the, I think this movie first entered onto the Sight and Sound list in the late 80s, like, in the, in the top ten... Then in 2002, it was number two, just behind Citizen Kane. And in 2012, it became the first movie to unseat Citizen Kane. It was considered the number one movie of all time. And it just got unseated itself uh, by Jean Dielman, a Chantal Ackerman film. But this is still number two. Like, that's kind of a heavy-duty pedigree to be wrestling with. It's a heavy-duty pedigree. But this is, so this, like, going into this rewatch, uh, I've seen most of Hitchcock films, even, like, the weird, obscure ones. I've seen most of them. Uh, You're a big but, Juno and the Paycock fan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, this is just so, I, I feel like it's 
overrated and i and i feel like the reason it's overrated is a reason why uh it's going to be controversial because i happen to love this man i love jimmy stewart but i think he's miscast in this role uh jimmy agreed yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) um uh, that's, that's, now I just feel really proud of myself that Hitchcock agreed. Yeah, with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are bros. <laughs> Bro, bros. Um, like he's problematic, but I still admire him. Um, but uh, so because so there are scenes and there are shows where Jimmy Stewart can smolder, yeah. like in um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. He has like one of the sexiest scenes in all of cinema history when he talks on the phone uh with mary um and like and it's and it's he smolders in that scene and in other like in rope another hitchcock film yeah he fucking brings it in this Rear one window. yeah he's great Rear and window. i don't like i just don't know what the if it was the direction because like i know jimmy stewart could like well first of all he's a little bit older like uh like he's like He's 49 here. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that was a big problem a lot of people have this movie, including Hitchcock. Hitchcock kind of blamed the failure on this movie on Jimmy Stewart being too old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think they mentioned that he's supposed to have been like college chums with Midge, the yeah. Barbara Belgetti's character. She's 15 years younger than him. Yeah. And it's very obvious. But Jimmy Stewart's a very interesting figure because pre-World War II, he was... He was their Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. He was the proto Tom Hanks. He's the everyman. He's super lovable. It's just everybody can kind of relate to him immediately. Jimmy Stewart served in World War II. He was a fighter pilot. He saw action. He he took lives. And then he came back and he was, by all accounts, kind of a different guy. He was interested in much darker projects. You even mentioned It's a Wonderful Life. Like, for as much as that movie has a reputation for being kind of a sappy Christmas movie, that's a dark film. It's a really dark film about wrestling with depression and inadequacy and like financial struggles. Like he's going to some really dark places and then he starts working with Hitchcock shortly after that. They do five movies together. And I think this is the movie where he goes the absolute darkest. Like both him and Hitchcock are really embracing some demons in this movie. Um, And I want to, I think I need to bring this up about Hitchcock too, because the concept of the Hitchcock blonde is very famous. Like he likes to cast a lot of like beautiful blonde actresses with this kind of similar haircut to the point where it felt like sort of an obsession for him. And I think it was. And I think we, we get to see the darker aspects of this come out when he's making the birds in 1963, where he repeatedly sexually harassed Tippi Hedren, his star. And like, uh, and when she rejected his advances, he basically destroyed her career, made it so that she couldn't get any work anymore. Like that's pretty messed up. And that's, it's speaking. uh, And I think that's why this movie has kind of grown in reputation over the years, because it's so much more impactful when you see it as a, piece of the the Hitchcock oeuvre as a whole you know like you can see all the different pieces sliding into place and you can see him kind of confessing and burying his soul with this movie and I think that's why it makes people really uncomfortable to watch and it's why it took people a long time to figure out like what this movie was going what, what this movie was going for there's definitely that sense of Pygmalion-esque um creating a woman in the image you want that woman to be in um and so like um so let's start off the top like 
uh, Jimmy Stewart, a likable person, but he's playing an unlikable character. Um, and early on, he's like laying on the charm. Like he's a very likable guy until he kind of gets hired for this yeah. case. Yeah. Um, well, and it's so funny. You compare this to Rear Window, and I feel like uh, he, Jimmy Stewart really nailed the sort of um, tone of Rear Window. Uh, but in this one, like the music... Like, it, it almost feels like the music is too good for the acting. And again, I love Jimmy Stewart. Uh, but the the music uh, swelling uh, and the music is unbelievable in this. Bernard like, Herman, one of the greatest film scores of all time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so, so, so good. Like, when you talk about a list of the top, like, number one movie in the world, I don't think Vertigo should be on that list. But I do think the top score uh, on the list, along with the Star Wars, is, is this is this score. This is in conversation, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he's so... Um, he, like, his job is to tail this lady who's mentally ill or he believes is mentally ill he ends up making out with her like (laughs) and to a degree though as as you get through the movie you find out that it's all been a setup and she was in on the setup which meant that she was playing him the whole time which is funny which is like um how i was watching it i was like oh she's just so evil she's so and that's a good point because I didn't get the I didn't have the twist going into it. I didn't mm-hmm. know. I was honestly confused for a moment because I'm like, what? Uh, what is happening here? Uh, she dead? Um, and you're trying to get it on with her again um yeah what's happening? Th- and this... so when when the twist happened i was like oh okay but i there's a lot of things in the movie that if you reframe knowing that then it's just a lot of uh yeah she absolutely played him like a fiddle this yeah, this was postcode right uh, this was during the code. Yeah, the Hayes code was still in effect. Okay, so I was time. wondering because they were in the same bedroom numerous times. Yeah, uh, which I thought was a bit risque, but like I didn't kind of know at the point where like the code still existed, people still adhered to it, but its power was loosening, okay, so you could kind of mess with it. I was wondering if she had to die at the end because I I would have I would have kind of liked to seen a show where she didn't die at the end you know what i mean like because she i'll say that that was kind of lame <laughs> like like these, well, the, that's the like, ingenious thing about this movie it's like well first of all it kind of um it's resistant to any kind of elevator pitch because you could say this is about uh, a cop with severe vertigo who needs to retire and he takes on a case and to agree to follow an old friend's wife around uh, you know, and like, but that's not really getting at what this movie is about. Because the first hour of this movie and the second hour of this movie are very different films. Mm-hmm. The first hour of this movie is kind of like this low-key ghost story where he's trying to find out if this woman is actually possessed by the spirit of like an old Spanish woman who died like 60 years prior. And the movie is really interesting in its framing because... It's aggressively trying to point to the fact that this is a world in which ghosts don't exist. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ingenious things they do, like, you know, there's this long sequence where he's just kind of driving the streets of San Francisco and following her. That route is accurate. Like, you can actually take that route to this day and follow the exact route that he goes in this movie. And they're doing that very specifically because this is a thing that happens. So we have this verisimilitude. We have this, this is a a movie that exists in the real world in which we live. This is the real San Francisco in 1958. So it seems incongruous that it could be a ghost story. 
And yet all signs seem to be pointing towards that. So there's already kind of putting you on your on edge. Then it becomes this love story where he becomes like he falls in love with this woman and becomes obsessed with her. And then it's this tragedy. And then it twists around in the second act to to reveal that everything you thought you knew that this movie was about is completely wrong. And this is actually like a really complex psychological drama. Yeah. And so for anybody who doesn't know and does not care, uh, I'm assuming that spoilers are intended uh, expected uh, it's for a six this. 60-year-old movie. But, we can spoil uh, a 70-year-old movie. So he basically while trying to follow her and figure out if she's crazy or what she's doing, her her husband suspects that she's going crazy and doesn't want to have her like committed or anything without some kind of proof because that would be rude. Um he he falls in love with her. And uh, it culminates in her basically playing him, making him think that she's being possessed or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they go to a place that she had seen in her dream, which is where the was significant to the person that was supposed to have been possessing her. I can't remember if that's yeah, where she yeah. died at or not. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, she goes racing up the stairs. It's a cathedral. She goes racing up the stairs. Uh, the... Scotty Falls to her death. Scotty yeah. can't follow because his vertigo kicks in that he'd gotten from the original scene watching somebody fall to their death. And uh, she falls to her death and dies off the top of the steeple. And the the twist to that was that wasn't the lady that he'd been with the whole time because the lady he'd been with the whole time was not that dude's wife. No, it's a lookalike. It was somebody who was dressed up to look as close to her as possible. So that when they got together and threw the real wife off the building. They got away with murder. And then it just gets so much more complex because in the second half, while uh, Jimmy Stewart's character is really fraught and really like uh, uh, disturbed by all of this that happened, he meets a woman that looks remarkably similar to the woman who just died. He enters a relationship with her. He doesn't know he, that she's the same person. He full creeps her. Oh, he he's a fucking nightmare in this part because like, he is he is obsessively controlling her. He is trying to turn her into the dead woman so he could kind of exercise some kind of cathartic stuff. Well, and, even, and she's allowing it because she feels guilty for her part in this whole ruse. She didn't think someone was actually going to die, and she has feelings for him. So she is flagellating herself in a really interesting and way. Also. Why wouldn't you just leave town? Skip town. Yeah, don't just this, dye your hair is, red and hang out at the Embarcadero. Come on. You can go one town over and never be seen again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no internet. The only people who can figure that out is maybe the FBI if they wanted to. Look, um, finding a good uh, piece of real estate in San Francisco is really <laughs> she, over. She yeah. was living in a hotel. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, just go. With some, honestly, I, I, this is a get besides the whole point of the show, but crazy eyebrows on her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very fascinating. It's that whole look where you would like shave your eyebrows off and then draw new ones on higher mm -hmm. like it was that whole trend but, yeah and then the, the entire through the entire movie there's also this like subplot where he has an assistant uh, or that, really good friend that's a really good that's friend like a really good friend, good friend. Yeah, but she kind of ends up being his assistant here and there i guess yeah she's friends. kind of like his girl friday um, but like she's in love with him clearly well because they uh, sh she's certain no they, she's definitely a lesbian they, they, um, yeah, wait, you think midge is a lesbian <laughs> i think midge is a lesbian oh, i think she's like so in love with him um <laughs> i so uh i have two thoughts on that but i want to get, get get some exposition yeah, out of the way um they used to be a thing 
right? Yeah, they said they were engaged for like a week. Um, and it, it seemed like one of those like, <laughs> yeah, crazy. I think but, in the fifties you just got engaged like as a second date. Yeah, like, I think that's just where <laughs> you went. And so they they've been friends ever since, and it seems like a lot of time has passed. Um, she has not taken any lovers from the sounds of it, or at least she's been very reluctant to. But she's a successful um, bra designer. She is a successful uh, woman. Yeah. And uh, and she says that the, the work is what's kept her busy, but then the only person that she has interest in is Scotty. Yeah. Which leads me to think that you could very well be correct because she's going – so I think th- that's she's being pigeonholed into what she the only thing that she thinks that she could enjoy that would be acceptable. Um, and it's she's just really repressed. So I don't know whether or not like her character is canonically a lesbian. However, um, like there's definitely because um, there's definitely moments in the show where she's like looks like an anguished or an upset face that um, mm. like I but like. I think I would be upset if my friend was making love to a mad woman. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I would be like, I, I think he's, she's th- that could be read as from my interpretation as being disappointed with him as a person yeah. versus him being like jealous of him as a woman. Um, um, I, I think that to me, it came off as, I mean, a combination of all of those, yeah. including jealousy. But to me, I mean, there was that one part that made it seem like she, like madly in love, but she was like, "Ah, that was fucking stupid of me to do." Oh yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think that the jealousy is there. But again, I don't know how much of that seeded like fully in like madly in love, or just like this is the last person I've you know mm-hmm. been with, like I've felt for, um, and they've been my friend all these years, and now they're doing all these things. Yeah, oh. yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I and I think all of this is just kind of a testament to how how this movie has endured so much because it's so ambiguous in so many things. And this is an era when like movies are pretty eager to sort of explain everything to you and make it as kind of popcorn friendly as possible. Um, So having said that, I think this movie is overrated. There are numerous things that I think. um, I did like the like the middle, like the turn in the middle of it being like you're like everyone is so fucked up yeah it's like it's, it's very compelling because like um because it, it's like a technicolor film noir sure um it, it has these like uh but the, again i think jim stewart is miscast as a film noir hero at this particular thing i think he could do it uh i just don't think he did it with the right direction in this yeah um but it's so um, like the question is, is why is it on these lists? And I think it, the reasons on these lists is people do enjoy the the mystery and the uh, Kim Novak is so beautiful. In she's this. stunning. Yeah, she's so stunning. beautiful. She the, uh, she's, yeah, she's Madeline. Yeah, okay. yeah. and yeah. Judy. She's doing double still duty. Still with us, by the way. I just looked oh. up. She's 92. Oh. She's still with us. Um, so she's kind of like one of the last remnants of old Hollywood. But uh, yeah, she's like 25 when she makes this movie. Um, and again, that's what makes it a little uncomfortable because Jimmy Stewart's twice her age. Like, yeah. So, it, you know, but but this is a movie that wants to make you uncomfortable. And I think that's why people didn't click with it at first. It's very rich. It's very psychologically complex. And it's, I think it's, um, it's playing with, like you mentioned that like a lot of movies around this era are like using psychology as a 
trope or as a, a framing reference. Yeah. And I think this is a movie that has that. It's using like pop psychological terms to sort of get you into the story. But then it actually is a really complicated examination of like human behavior. Well, and I like, I just really kind of, I mean, from a modern lens, just like this dude clearly has severe PTSD. Yes. Uh, and they definitely. And that might not be the only thing. <laughs> oh yeah. No, he's got some issues. One or two. Uh, but like they're, it's interesting to see these, like, again, post-war people struggling with like, what is PTSD? Yeah. Like, uh, and this sort of like, um, very, idealized um version of mental illness where people are comfortably in a bed um like uh at a very wealthy like place to rest um and yeah he he goes full like catatonic not leaving a bed for a few weeks yeah yeah i think it was a few weeks Right. Ooh, yeah. similar to our game hero, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> a little more to talk about the movie first. Like this is one of those movies that is hard to talk about because a every film scholar has written extensively about this movie, like to the point where it's almost relevant what we say. But b it is a very rich movie that has a lot of uh, uh, layers to peel through. I'll say though, from from the I didn't really like him throughout the movie. No, but as soon as he rediscovers. Madeline slash Julie, uh, he immediately becomes terrible. This he like, just I, drags her. He just dra- like her feet are barely touching the ground, and she, he's like manhandling her onto the roof of a of the, the well, cathedral. I, I not know. even not even that part, but like yeah, through like, the stores and everything. Like, like yeah, that, yeah. From, from the moment he sees her. He follows her back to her hotel room and starts creeping on her there. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, no, no, I just want to talk. I just want to. And it's like, that's still fucking creepy. creepy. Doesn't matter what you want. And again, we we get the context for like, obviously, like most women would be freaked out by this and would immediately shut it down. But we do get the little bit of the context of like. Uh, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had someone follow you into a hotel? I would cry. Uh, that's happened I've, to me. Has I've mentioned it, I was in Italy. I was in Italy. Um, and I had to make the um, hotel person shoo this guy away because he wouldn't listen to me. That's horrifying. I'm so sorry. That's terrifying. Like, yeah, no, that's not something that like men usually need to deal with, you know. And, but, and, and we get the context of like the fact that she... Well, gives him the time it's of not day something at all that men that usually has... have to deal with because men usually deal with going, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so some men have to deal with it in the sense of they have to struggle with that decision. Yeah. While most men just go, whoa, that's not a thing to do. Not a thing. I'm not <laughs> not <laughs> a good thing. No. That's I might the, be being uh, creepy here. Beyond uncool category. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she goes along with it because she is kind of punishing because she's herself. Because guilty she of murder. She's a murderess. Yeah. She is a murderess. She's a, she is an associate. Like, a, 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 yeah, she's she's uh, what's the word? Why am I forgetting? Murderess. Well, like she's she's not a murderess, <laughs> like, but she's she a, didn't do accomplice. It. an accomplice. She's well, an unwitting I, accomplice. She's a little bit but, more than that. She's setting like she knew well ahead in advance what was happening. She's yeah. completely guilty of murder. And we should say like it's kind of interesting that the murder plot of this is sort of like a, a C plot. You know, it's the murder underneath the whole movie is that uh, Gavin or, or Ilse, the guy who hires, uh, <laughs> the guy who hires Jimmy no, Stewart to follow his wife. Oh, Fitzgerald, Ilse Fitzgerald. 
No, um, it's, it's actually it's Fitzy, and she just had it wrong. Oh, that's it, Fitzy. Good old Fitzy. But this is all part of a plot that he's having to murder his wife, and he hires this private eye because he knows he has agoraphobia. He won't make it up the steps, and he can't be manipulated into corroborating his whole story. And I can't uh, say Gavin never sees punishment. He never gets caught. He flees the country and gets away with this scot-free because— Get it. Get it? Because that is not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is the psychological damage we do to one another and how ultimately very fragile the mind is. Can we just point out that Gavin is a fucking mastermind yeah. to to concoct this plan of like how how do you come up with this, this shit? Very yeah. complicated plan. Like, how do you it's not like uh I oh I can kill her at this. I can kill her, air quotes, at this cathedral. I can make her appear. I can fake her death at this cathedral because I'll never make it up the stairs. And I, I can make him think uh, she's being possessed. Yeah. Uh, and I can get a double. And I can, you know, her grandmother who uh, now, you know, he says, oh, she doesn't know about her. Yeah. Well, it's because they're not probably related. Probably not. Um, they are related. But, That's why they, oh. she has the necklace. Oh, that's a good point. All right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He, he, the masterful bullshitting. Oh, yeah. And there are so many, like, misleads and red herrings because, like, like we said, he's the, the true thing. mastermind of this movie. Forget anything else. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say props to that guy because he sucks as a person. <laughs> but, but it's like, so interesting that, like, a lot of movies would have just ended after the woman died mm -hmm. like and you would think okay so this is like okay this is just like an extended twilight zone Honestly. episode where she was possessed by a, a ghost and that's the end of the movie and they, they even have like a little hearing afterwards to determine whether or not gavin or scotty should be punished for what Ooh, happened and, right. that, and they, they were bringing it hard and on they, scotty yeah. they were bringing it hard on scotty who was going through it because the woman he loved just died, to, yeah. or, as far as he knew. Uh, the woman and, he should have never been involved with. Yes, the yeah, woman the he woman, never should have spoke to. With. Yeah, let's, um, yeah, we'll be clear. He's, yeah, obsessed, he's obsessed with her. Uh, be, maybe beyond obsessed. Um, but then Gavin, that motherfucker, after all of this, he go, he walks up and goes, I don't, I don't blame you for any of this. They shouldn't have been that hard on you. It's like you. Also, I'm fucker. going away forever. Goodbye. Yeah, also, yeah. I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to Europe. Uh, but that that man. That's one oh of the things God. about this movie. Like, there's a couple things in this movie also, that I find really chilling. World's worst detective. Oh yeah, he's a bad. <laughs> he's a bad detective. He's terrible. Like he broke ethics. Like he's a oh, whole yeah. host. Of, and also, he just failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. He he blew it. He blew it. I mean, that's one of the things I find creepy, like eerie about this movie is that. Gavin just gets away with everything. There are mm -hmm. no consequences. But I think the thing that creeps me out the absolute most, the thing that really gets under my skin in this movie, is the uh, shopkeepers in the later half of the movie yeah. who are very, very eager and willing They're to go like, along with, oh, oh he yeah. really knows what he wants. Yes. He is literally making demands to a woman. You must dye your hair. You must, you must dye it this color. You must... Uh, wear it this way. Long sleeve black dress. They also cut. changed yeah. her makeup because of um, makeup. She, yeah. uh, Judy had a thicker um, eyeshadow and eyeliner. Yeah. Um, than, red hair. And, yeah. 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 It's like he made, he just 
there's a solid almost 15 minute stint of them just going from place to place where he is adamant and making demands and she is consistently going i don't know i kind of just want to do something else yeah. and all those shopkeepers female are all just like no honey it's fine it's a man who knows what he wants and then we get moments with her where she says i if i let you change me will you love me mm-hmm. and that's like it's just gutting, and it's really. Like, it's, it's I know really you just participated in a murder, but you deserve more. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Like, <laughs> you know, and like, like, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if she deserves more. <laughs> she, she doesn't deserve that. I, I think, yeah, she is. That, that's that's a different kind of punishment that I don't think should be given. It's she's, very poetic. The punishment. Uh, she's letting it ruin her life because she's not a sociopath like like Gavin is. Like she's not a monster. Like she got caught up in this stuff. She got in over her head and she does have a sense of morality. And that's why she's letting herself be punished in this gruesome way. But I mean, it it is, it must've been so upsetting to see Jimmy Stewart in this role at this time. Cause even in his other Hitchcock roles, he's still pretty charming. He's still the hero. Well, and I feel like the charming, like, so in rear window, you still have this big age gap, but for some reason he's more, He's more charming in it, he um, is. And, and Grace and there's, Kelly there's a helplessness to him that makes yeah. him a little more sympathetic. Well, and Grace yeah. Kelly has such um, presence about her. Like yes. you don't like no one's ever going to treat Grace Kelly badly. No way. No. <laughs> like <laughs> it's an impossibility. Yeah, absolutely. And like yeah, and, and even like like Rope and the Man Who Knew Too Much, like movies like that. He is still playing like a slightly darker variation on the Jimmy Stewart thing, but yeah. it is still the recognizable Jimmy Stewart thing. This is. This is him letting himself get so unpleasant and uh, really throwing his kind of image under the Ugh. bus. There's but this... the whole time, he, or I, I say the whole time, the majority of the time he has this like weirdly like serene calmness about him and the yeah. way that he's talking other than when he's getting very insistent about certain things and where he's not like... He's raising his voice, but he's not like it's not yelling out of anger. It's just like weird. Yeah, just like, just like ick. Yeah, yeah. No, the high ick factor here, and I mean, the movie ends really abruptly too, which is like also I always forget how abruptly this ends. It's kind of the Karate Kid ending. I was watching it with my uh, my friend Christian, and he's like, "Is that the end?" (laughs) Do you ever just because they, they go back to the cathedral? He finds out because she slips up and wears the necklace yeah. that she had gotten from the the lady, and uh, he goes, "Oh, you have to be her." He, yeah, he puts it together, which is again, how the fuck can a detective miss this much? Yeah, but uh, he then just loses his mind. He well he. He like fakes her out, tells her, let's go out on a drive, takes her all the way back to the cathedral and then just starts pulling her around, takes her all the way up to the top of the cathedral. His vertigo is healed. Yeah, he he, He pushes through. His anger allows him to cure himself of vertigo. Yeah. Gets all the way up to the top and then they have a conversation and then he lets her go for a moment or whatever. And she gets the shit scared out of her by a nun and oh. falls backwards off the tower and dies. That's such a cool moment. Like, mm-hmm. it's sad that she died, but it's a cool moment when, like, we see the shadowy figure rise. And then we see we can tell that it's a nun right away. And it's like, 
she is fearing retribution. That's kind of what this represents. Mm-hmm. It's like she is fearing some actual religious retribution, and then she flings herself to her death. Like that's that's really cool. Like it, it's it's a, a startlingly abrupt ending, and we don't really get any kind of resolution. <laughs> I, on Scotty, then, but I hope cool. that she lives. I hope that she lives. Yeah. Uh, I hope that uh, she has to go to prison. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope. Like honestly, I, I do too. I hope that she uh, gets an ending to her life that isn't that. Uh, you know, the yeah. final days of being some kind of like weird slave to this dude. Um, yeah. And then at least gets to you know still get punishment, but like gets to just hang out in a cell or whatever. Something like that. That would almost be more freedom After, than what she you know, was prepared. Fifteen twenty years, she gets out and just. You, know, you could see garden. that she was prepared to just live this ruse for the rest of her life, yeah. too, which makes it really sad. Like, she was prepared to just go along with it, just keep dying her hair, keep being who he wanted her to be, but which then, is so upsetting. But then he just, she just wears the necklace. Yeah. Yeah, just a casual, like, why stupid would misstep. She not? Yeah. That, that seems... Because that's just revealing she is not a mastermind. She's not an ill no. She's not, like, uh, worrying about... Like she's not she's not playing like four dimensional chess. She is good she at is manipulating. Really good at manipulation. Oh, sure. I disagree. Like I think she is a very smart person. Like I think the the things that undermined her intelligence and her culpability is the fact that then that she's like doesn't get enough money. If you kill someone, if you're an accomplice to murder, you should get a lot of money. Yeah, I did um, pretty well. Like yeah. no. you should get enough money to go to L.A. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or even just outside. Go to Monterey Bay. Go yeah. just outside of San just, Francisco. Just outside. Yeah. Don't go to the hotel like down the road or whatever. Yeah. Move to Bodega Bay and fight off a bunch of birds. You know. Go, yeah. Go literally <laughs> anywhere else. Yeah. Like. Well, there's another film by Hitchcock where his great greatest muse, uh, not Jimmy Stewart, but mm. Cary Grant is yeah. in it uh, with uh, Ingrid. Uh, Ingrid Bergman Notorious uh, Notorious Yeah yeah. So Notorious You have him playing A bad guy You know Until the end Where they wouldn't let him Be a bad guy Yeah Um, And he really owns it And I feel like Jimmy Stewart If he would have played A little bit More smoldery More Bad um, Would have Definitely come across Because he just comes across As kind of a Like an idiot um, I mean, for me, the, the fact that he keeps playing it so much like a likable everyman, even though his actions are reprehensible, makes it more effective for me. Like, <sighs> because this is we're seeing the corruption of the common man. Yeah. We're seeing that this could happen. I, I never fair. thought I can of see him it from that as a likable everyman. Yeah. Even at the beginning, I didn't think of him as a likable everyman because, like, one, he's a cop. But two, he's like he's a detective who he's. Slash lawyer. He, yeah. he he has he is not the everyman because he has been above the everyman. Yeah, to some degree, and at no point does he really seem to come down to the level because he almost he goes from that into uh, this weird friendship where he is clearly the one getting the upper hand out of the thing. Although she's not like you know suffering from that relationship. No, um, but he's the one who seems to be. 
gaining. I say gaining, but in the sense that like he, it's the status has him just a little over her through that too. It's definitely like a. Uh, I hate this term, but he's he's friend zoning Midge a lot to the degree yeah. like inadvertently where like or maybe he's not like, answering her questions. He's kind of like keeping her on hold. You know, yeah. he's even like hinting. He's, he's like, oh, he's maybe we should just get her. married. You know, like he's keeping her as a reserve. He's you know? keeping her at like half an arm's length away yeah but it's all very clearly he seems to be the one who not necessarily is in he's the one who has the more power it the, oh, the yeah. relationship leans towards him a little bit and through throughout the entire movie while he is getting played by everyone around him um at no point does he recognize he is consistently still just a little higher status. He he yeah. goes to that was it a little hotel motel thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, and asking the the lady uh, about the girl who he just saw walk in, uh, Madeline, and like trying to get information about it, and like pulls his badge out. Who which one? Why does he still have that? He retired. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who somebody didn't take his badge? What? Yeah, you think? Yeah, he, he was yeah. retired at this point. You already. keep this as a souvenir, son. Yeah, no, it's, it's, this is what you get for being on the force for twenty years. Yeah, but yeah. like he he immediately goes back to playing detective, and even goes back to that same thing of where he doesn't get answer everybody's questions correctly. Yeah. He he plays his own game the whole time and doesn't necessarily treat people at his level. When they go to that one uh this is where my, my memory is terrible, but they uh he goes back to his friend and asks her to hook him up with this dude i say hook him up yeah to set him up with this guy meet it so he can meet with him and get more information about what was going on and they do it at like a, like a an shop, old shop like an old yeah. bookshop and even the way he treats scotty treats that guy is still very much above that guy because again he's not straightforward with answering his questions and then when he gets the information that he wants he just leaves mm -hmm. yeah the, he he leaves so abruptly that his friend has to apologize for him. Yeah, Midge did do that. Um, and he's but he this maintains whole time, that like the entire movie. We we get to relate to him a little bit because we've seen him suffer this loss, like this this cop who oh, tried yeah. to save him from this this chase, like fell to his death. So we know that he's looking to kind of redeem himself as a cop. He's looking he's kind of redeem himself as a man, and he has the, the opportunity to save a life. In exchange for the life that was lost saving his, you know, the, there's also the interpretation yeah. of this movie that um, he didn't survive that fall, that that this whole movie is kind of an incident in Owl Creek Bridge thing where like it is playing out the moment before he dies or like it is playing out as he is falling. You know, these are the things that he's hallucinating as he dies. So there's kind of that whole interpretation of this movie, too, which I, I think is interesting. I don't know if there's a lot of evidence for it necessarily, but it's it's always an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, I, I just thought it, it was interesting because he he treats pretty much everybody but Madeline and Gavin that way. Yeah, and uh, to me that shows me who he was before that. Well, it's interesting to see the classism because Judy yeah. is very uh, clearly of lower classes uh, than Madeline, and this this cool ice queen of a woman versus this lower class working girl um, is very, and it's the same woman. Yeah. Yeah. But if, to him, it's, it's the not Clark the Kent same almost. woman. It's the Madonna whore complex. Yeah, like, definitely. Out on screen. Like, and that's, 
and I mean, I I I want to transition us away to talk about the game a little bit. Just because, <laughs> the game, but oh, I just, game. it sounds like we can keep going for a while That's on this thing. one. That's the thing. I think uh, you know, like, look, this is a movie with flaws. Like the the consensus when it came out was that it was slow. This is a slow movie. It absolutely is slow. Like there are parts where Especially it's just by like modern you're, standards. Yeah, you're checking your watch a little bit. And you're wondering when the movie's going to kind of take off. But the reason this movie has such power and such impact is because when you really sit down and start dissecting it, <laughs> it just reveals more and more and more. And more wanna, and more that's pretty brilliant and not a lot of movies can one do that more detail which was to me uh in this kind of goes along with my interpretation and the way that i felt about scotty was that the movie was so slow paced because it just felt like scotty was taking his time yeah he was doing everything deliberate. on yeah. his clock there is also this really creepy voyeuristic situation oh, where yeah. he falls in love with a woman oh, through sure. voyeurism yeah. um, and that he believes he knows this woman through voyeurism. Um, I'm actually currently watching The Expanse with my roommates, which if you've mm. never seen it, yeah, I love show, that right? show. Yeah. But there, there is elements of, of that, of like a character falls in love with somebody they've never met before. Yeah. And you're just like, it, it's a, it's a weird plot thing. And so seeing that, I was like, oh no, like, I knew he had to fall for her, right? But also, he's falling for her. Yeah. Um, and he's... Sight unseen. Yeah. He, he never speaks to her until she falls into the bay and he goes in after her. So he doesn't speak to her until after he's seen her naked. Yeah. Because she, like, passes out and then she wakes up naked in his bed. Also, somehow she for the first time. She also somehow comes out of San Francisco Bay with her makeup looking better than, it went, than when she went in. Like somehow, I don't no, know. It's look, magical. It's I magical barely bay. know how to swim, but yeah. I feel like if you pass out for that long after being in the water, you probably died. I think she was probably. Well, now we know she she's probably she's faking it. But, yeah. <laughs> like, how, at what point did he not go? Yeah, medical attention. I mean, she's comatose. <laughs> Yeah, like he just put a blanket on her, you know. Yeah, but yeah, she's un she's fully unconscious, and she just fell into water. Yeah, yeah. and somehow like three feet above, if my, uh, somehow yeah. she got he got his her car to his house. Yeah, somehow yeah. I don't know. Maybe she he called in like a friend from a cop, be like, hey, hey, I I, I need a favor. This hey, hot I, chick uh, fell into a river. The bank. It's he just calls up uh, the parking service or whatever, and it's like, hey, y'all, yeah. here's. Can I call in a favor? Can I get you to tow this car to this place for me? You guys have tow trucks, right? See, this How is else a, do you impound cars? this is what I want for Vertigo too. <laughs> Subtitle, I, I just want to see. Omg, why are you so obsessed with me? I, I yeah. what I want to see now is I want to see a movie from the perspective of everyone else. Just Interesting. Like, yeah. Just like all of the other people, like the the guy, the bookshop guy. You could do um, like a whole HBO like limited yeah, series, like the behind yeah. the show, like behind the guy, all of the people that he's interacting with throughout, and then it ends with the nun. Yeah. Well, it's really funny that you say that because isn't um, Mad Men just Matt, uh, Madeline slash Judy's person, like, like just spun out over years. Mad Men has a lot of the same DNA. They have been threatening us with a remake of this movie. Um, like Robert Downey Jr. apparently wants to do it, so I don't know about that. But we'll. well I think so. This this always feels like kind of one of those sacred cow kind of movies. Like I Casablanca. don't like remakes. No, generally speaking. However, uh. 
no what am i talking about no no they shouldn't make no no i was trying to like because i feel like find a way to make it make sense well i think the only way that they would remake it is a shot for shot remake which just seems boring because they did that with they did that with psycho um because anything else you do is just going to cheapen the original movie and you won't hit well i don't know because like i think you could redo like I don't know, man. I, mean, I don't know why I'm the whole film career of Brian De Palma. Look, like that's that's already a, this a, is a movie in the stream plot of Hitchcock that gets remakes. defeated by cell phones. So I you think, can't do it yeah. in modern day. The only so the the reason for my reticence about maybe having a remake is I do like we've talked a little bit about like the psychosexual thrillers of the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And like I love film noir and Vertigo is somewhere in between all of these. Yeah. And so I would love to see more thrillers like the game uh Mm -hmm. come to you know to fruition in the modern era yeah there aren't a Um, lot of just straight thrillers anymore and it's but uh, it's a classic so you don't need to remake it yeah yeah i mean have an original idea Go, goes without saying that this is kind of a, a, a go check it out like uh, a recommendation from me. Like obviously you don't need me to tell you that Vertigo is a good movie. Like go go check it out. But like I think people, if you haven't seen it, uh, you you'll be surprised at how like rich yeah. and intelligent and complex this movie is, and and, and, and how uh, how how greatly the game misses these notes. <laughs> oh, wait, one before we switch to the game, I have one thing to say. Yes, seriously. Get the soundtrack yes. on Spotify and then drive around to it, acting like you're doing something nefarious. Oh my god, it's super fun. Or do something nefarious. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah, but whatever it is that you're doing that's nefarious, don't stalk people and fall in love with them. Yeah, none of that. None of that. But you know, if you want to like just walk or like drive Ooh. around laughing oh. evilly, yeah, that's fine. What you should do is you should, and this is you should stalk somebody and fall in love with them. However, <laughs> it should be like the neighborhood stray cats. <laughs> I was okay. about to say, it's you like, just, how are you going to rescue this? I was also saying, well, I'm You take the car out, you find, you find a stray cat, stray dog. Maybe you do it kind of later on at night when they start coming out. I'm still creeped just, out by uh, this. You know, make sure that they don't have a home. Uh, and I, then home them. I so, could do this. I'm in the market for a cat. This or, is just the creepiest <laughs> way of saying adopt, don't shop. <laughs> this is exactly where I'm going. Don't get, take them off the streets. Don't take them off the shops. Well, let's let's transition to the game, which also has a great cat. Uh, that, that is also <laughs> it's a shitty cat. It's a great cat. So the, the game cat doesn't. Well, okay, I was about to say the cat doesn't exist unless it's meowing. But honestly, yeah, no, that's, that's were, true. No, they just let, let, let's get through the introduction and then we'll talk about the cat. So I okay. First of all, this game is just called Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. It's not Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. It's just Alfred Hitchcock dash Vertigo. Um, and I want to get the one. This was released on September sixteenth, twenty twenty one. And I just want to get one thing out of the way right away is that this is a. In name only adaptation of the movie, you get a couple of thematic moments. You get a couple of like visual references, but this could not really be farther from like the tight, uh, intelligently constructed plotting of the original movie. To to be fair to this, uh, which I don't think it deserves it. Yeah, we don't need to be fair to it, (laughs) but. Um, we did, this game is supposedly, if you play quick, uh, it's like eight hours, but it can go up to like 12, 15 hours. Uh, so this is the first game on the list that we played that wasn't more self, like contained to one particular thing. Right. Um, and so we only experienced 
like an eighth of the game. We so, did. We did. We, <laughs> it seems that the game gets fucking wild from what we saw, but, but it doesn't seem to be related, but there could be more uh, Easter eggs or homages paid. However, yeah. the first hour to hour and a half is a bit of a no. The only thing is that uh, like, there's a guy who has vertigo. There is a guy who has Virgo. They, they they make good use of like the spiral imagery a couple times. But yeah, that is fair to say. Unlike the other games, we didn't really we we weren't able to get like a full experience with this. Like, no, we didn't beat Wayne's World or or Dracula or anything. But we got the gist of that. This is a very narrative based game, and it's one of the only modern games that's on our list. And so it is. Uh, uh, take it with a grain of salt that we played the first couple of hours of this game, and we're basing a lot of our opinions on that. That being said, I think um, so. This move, this game was uh, developed by a company called Pendulo, which is a Spanish studio that was bought by a French developer called Microids, and they were the ones who distributed this. So. This is a Spanish-French co-production that's been translated into English and acted with French-Canadian voice actors. And so a lot has been lost in the translation here. I think that's kind of fair to say. Like, the dialogue does not fully translate. At least we hope that a lot was lost in translation. Because if there was nothing lost in translation, then oh no. And I want to preface by saying, too, this is like a... um, sort of like a point-and-click cinematic adventure game. It's similar to, like, the Telltale games or the Quantic Dream games like Heavy Rain or even, like, uh, uh, supermassive games like The Quarry or Until yeah. Dawn. Like S- Somebody compared it to L.A. I compared it to L.A. Noir. Yeah. I saw somebody else compare it to L.A. Noir, except L.A. Noir had open-world segments, and this does not. L.A. Noir had much more gameplay than this. Yeah. This is really kind of an interactive movie that offers the illusion of choice. L.A. Noir even had guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm remembering more about that game the more I talk right. about it. It's people making wild facial facial gestures, and you say <laughs> and that they're lying. And then you have to guess if they're lying or not. Yeah. Man, that game's never insane. right. Yeah, I was never right either. <laughs> I sent so but many people to jail. This is this is kind of one of those games where you're interacting with it fairly minimally. There'll be some quick time events, there'll be some dialogue trees, and that's kind of all you're doing. So really the experience of this game is sitting and watching, and uh, the and pacing on this game makes quick, that though, a real struggle. W- yeah. One of the things that I had read, in many of these games that are notable, that are like this, like... Uh, Heavy Rain, Indigo Prophecy, or Fahrenheit, depending on where you're from. Yeah, yeah. Um, the things that you do can maybe not change the outcome of the game, although in some cases, yes. But at the very least, you can get different content. You can miss things. Um, the review that I had seen in the game was that, uh, like, in these other games, like, side plots might resolve differently that don't really impact the main storyline. This game has none of that. No. Um, the only thing that you can really do is speed run and just miss parts of, like, uh, little tidbits here and there that really, from the reviews, also are inconsequential. Yeah. There's so many things that you have to do in this game that have no bearing on anything um, and could have... It shouldn't have to be, oh, you get control to go walk upstairs. Honestly, this is a game that should, could, probably would have done better. Well, like, I think an example yeah. of this, what this game could have be could have been, was like Life is Strange. Yeah, uh, where you have consequential dis- decisions yes. that seem <clears throat> arbitrary but have long-lasting effects throughout the story. Uh, but this one is definitely, uh, uh, like um, Steve said, like it's just. 
the pacing is abysmal like the pacing is like you eat a sandwich uh, like it's killer. It's, yeah why do why do you need to have a protracted moment of like so kind of the structure of this game or, or let's let's we'll touch on the plot a little bit um you take control of three different characters throughout the point of course of the game but your main character is ed miller who is a writer when the game opens he is like laying on the road and his car is in the bottom of a ravine and his dad is jumping off a bridge and uh, so he's tempted to jump off the bridge as well, which is what gives him his vertigo. But a trucker saves him at the last minute. And now Ed is bedridden and living in his palatial neo-modern uh, uh, palace in the Writer middle of the home. Spanish yeah. forest or something. I don't know where he is, but it's this ridiculous. He's in California. Expensive. Okay. It's this ridiculously expensive house. We learn that he's an incredibly successful it's writer. It's a sick house, though. It's a great house. Like, um, I I don't know if I would want to live in that one specifically, but there's a lot of really cool elements. I to would that love house. to go to an Airbnb of oh, that yeah, house. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You know, and so he. <laughs> I feel like the house was the best part of the sh- Honestly, of the game. It really was. <laughs> yeah. It's just like walking through this beautiful house. I mean, so we, we get to meet a psychiatrist who is hired by a mysterious benefactor to go visit Ed and kind of help him with his issues because he is now completely bedlocked. Like, he can't get out of bed without having a horrible, like, uh, agoraphobic panic attack. And so she's trying to crack into his psyche. In the meantime, there's also a sheriff uh, who's uh, working a murder case in the local town, and we want to see what's going on with that. So these three stories are intersecting. And in the meantime, we're reliving Ed's incredibly tedious memories through hypnotherapy through hypnotherapy we are going back in time and reliving ed's experience of being a a shitty writer and be a shitty human being shitty human being this is the least likable protagonist i can imagine like this guy sucks and the therapy sessions play like a worst version of if anybody's played cyberpunk the brain dances where you're reliving a memory and depending you can go forward backwards you can kind of look around and see things but uh, all of these memories are – so at, when you start off, all of the memories that you're going through are the things you've already done. Yeah. It's you're, – you're reliving the scenes that you just went through in the opening of the game pretty much. And these things were not exciting to play through the and, first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, supposedly, uh, we what we did is we pulled up a, a walkthrough and we looked at parts as it went and then we read a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, nobody has a full plot outline for this game, apparently. Yeah, this one Literally, fell through the cracks. no one. You type in synopsis, and what you get is uh, people who just copy-pasted the same thing over and over again, which is basically what's on the back of the box. Right. Um, but it does look like the memories get more interesting. But the main problem with the game, as we mentioned before, was th- they'll have these interesting moments. Uh, one, the dialogue, cheesy, kind of creepy. But uh, translated in between all of these moments of actual things happening, you're just doing shit. Um, yeah, you're wandering around your house like you need to look for inspiration. A, yeah, you're, yeah, you're picking up a sandwich and you're taking it outside. Um, like it's some of that stuff in the opening scenes of like uh, Fahrenheit, uh, Indigo Prophecy, and stuff like that. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, you get to feel like you're living in the world a little bit, but. They go faster. Yeah. In this, it's so slow. Similar, it has slower pacing than the movie Vertigo. Yeah. By a long shot. And so all of these moments are like excruciating. He'll, 
there's a crate of wine with six bottles in it, <laughs> and it's like the the prompts are: uh, do you put it away or do you take a bottle, whatever? And it's that whole sequence takes like three minutes for him to just take the bottle out and set it on the counter. And then, of course, a woman just shows up a injured at your house. dream girl uh, who's, who's mysteriously injured and needs you to care for her, you big strong man. Yeah, he... So she's 24. Then you proceed to 23. Uh, you neg 23. her. Yeah. Uh, um, but she... <laughs> they, they... What they... Yeah, you, you do a lot of negging. Also, um, how dare she show up dick. with a uh, leg injury? Yeah. Yeah, you're just real mad at her for being injured. Typical woman. But uh, she... She establishes that she's 23, and then she establishes that when she was 13, which was 10 years previously, was sometime after he'd made it big writing. Yeah. So that means that he is in his 30s. At least, yeah. Um, at least. Although he yeah. does say he's not in his – he's not uh, 46. Yeah, but he's she somewhere says, between she like 30 he's... and 46. Yeah. Um, but he – seduces her no she seduces him yeah. she like and of course she turns out to be spoiler a bad woman oh one of those a bad bad woman oh. Re- reading what people were saying because what what we were getting was people who were discussing what happened in the game without saying what happened in the game and that shit was just nuts yeah. um so anyway uh the thing is is that she turns out to be um, uh, quote. I hate I hate when people say people are psychopaths because most of the time they aren't psychopaths. It's very yeah, it's super it's a annoying. Spectrum, yeah. Um, well, and it's just like, um, uh, she's clearly manipulating uh, Ed Miller, the protagonists, and like, and I think it's it's an interesting that um, it's interesting that it's a bad woman. Uh, trope of this yeah. like boy boy bunny boiler type of situation uh, of obsession with this like not impressive man. No, real <laughs> um, douchebag. Like what? Also, his writing fucking sucks. We oh got to, God, we got some samples. He is the worst writer of all time. Yeah. Uh, but like the f- game is. I don't know. I like cinematic games, especially like Quarry. Um, like, and I, I do like them. Uh, but this one is just so, like, I it made me miss ET the game. Like, <laughs> at least you know, having a likable protagonist in a clump clump of pixels. Uh, and so, what I think my understanding of now that I'm like putting the pieces together in my head. So um, the mysterious benefactor who hired the uh, the psychotherapist, psychotherapist yeah. I don't think is um, intended to be a mysterious benefactor. I think we just didn't put it together. But they seem to be somebody who is close to Ed. And apparently that's somebody who, as I think his name's Robert, I believe that he's also somebody who was close to the girl. And she is super jealous of Ed because he was like a father figure to her and has transitioned oh. to being a father figure to him in some way, shape, or form, or she's something like that. And so this whole Wait plot, a minute. This movie, this game is implying that a woman turned bad because of daddy issues? That's <laughs> I literally novel. think so. Who thought up um, this brilliant idea? And like the the content of the game is apparently crazy. Um there 
there was reviews of people like, yeah, some of this stuff's kind of disturbing. At one point, you just like sacrifice a child and like a bunch of other stuff happens. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck happens in the rest of this game? I don't think I'll ever care enough to find out. I do. I, 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 but are I, you going to go home I, and watch I'm, that walkthrough I'm, I'm, now? I've actually, even though it was really horrible, I'm tempted to buy it and play it. Oh my it. God. I, I just, I. Okay, if you do, please let us know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll on, do, like, I'll do a recap. I'm I'll, just I'll like. make a medal for you. <laughs> <laughs> I found this so rough. Yeah. I did find it really rough, but like, I, I'm a sucker for a mystery. So like, if yeah. I can't find the information online, I'll probably buy the game. Even play it. <laughs> well, good on you, my God! But like, no, like my th- this this tested my patience to the absolute I, breaking point. Yeah, it was so. Uh, I I'm a little on the tired side today. I may have yawned into the microphone once or twice, uh, trying to avoid doing that. Yeah, um, good. And uh, I was like cuddling a pillow because I just like to cuddle pillows. Sure. And at one point. I pull the pillow up and I'm like, I could fall asleep to this. And that's when J-Van goes, good, because it's your turn. Yeah. And then J-Van, <laughs> she takes the fucking pillow and's like, I'm going to take a nap. And then gets all cozy. And I'm like, God damn it. So that should let you know where we're at with this game. We were fighting over who gets control of the pillow. And passing, passing the controller was the punishment. Yeah, we, we were fighting over who got the pillow and not the controller. I mean... Every other game that we played, uh, we were at least interested in having the controller and being like, uh, you know, E.T., like, look. Like, maybe I can figure this out better. J-Band yeah. is struggling with this. And while I do consider J-Band to be an intelligent person, <laughs> maybe I can figure this out where yeah. she couldn't. The answer was no. But no. at least in the other games, it was like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're, we're struggling with this, uh, but it was like a group struggle of like, oh, yeah, let me try. Like, you actually wanted to make an attempt at it to a degree, whether you were super enthusiastic or at least just a little enthusiastic. And then Gotcha was just like... Gotcha was so much was, fun. Gotcha was, right. was yeah. just kind of a little uh, uh, sprightly treat, you know? Yeah, you know, it it's literally better nothing and better. to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was a, a fun little game. Um and then we had this where we were literally fighting over doing anything else. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Steve had already left the room, although you had, already, <laughs> you had played through up to... Yeah, I played ahead a bit. Uh, like about a half an hour ahead of where we got. We got about an hour in, so you were about an hour and a half Hour in. and a half. About, we played was for really? quite a while, Which yeah. means oh this was God. the fourth time I had to watch him feed his cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really crucial scene of like feeding his bitchy cat. They had this weird thing where I don't know if they were just saving on animation. They would do like romantic banter, allegedly romantic banter back and forth whilst the shot was on the cat. Yeah. It was like, what is going on? It's, it's like there, she's hurt. She's, you know, got an ankle injury and he's like trying to pick her up and he's like really drawing out this process. And the whole time you just see the cat and then it would cut back to their feet. You would just see their feet and their ankles. Yeah. Cut back to the cat. And he's not wearing house shoes appropriately the entire time. Oh, drives me crazy. One of the flaps of his slippers is like underneath his ankle. Yeah. And that just drives he's, me crazy. He's standing on the back of his shoe. It's like. Which if I do that when I put my shoe on, I am annoyed for a solid 15 minutes afterwards. Oh, I yeah. fix it immediately. It ruins my and day. And I'm still annoyed. Yeah. I'm just like, God damn it. It's like, now dude, just now wear... the back of the shoe is going to be like wrinkly or whatever. Uh... Just wear flip-flops if you're so conscious <laughs> about your damn ankles. You, uh, This guy sucks. No, and you... we haven't emphasized enough how much this guy sucks. Like He's she shows so up with unlikable. The, this this like beautiful young woman shows up at his door with an injury asking for help. And his only thought is like, 
Ugh, well, I was writing my shitty novel, but I guess I'll call I it ambulance. I just broke multiple years of uh, what you make writer's block. Oh, no. Yeah, but, he's like fat, slow, like fat shaming her for like picking her up. He's like, yeah. it's like, dude, dude, just shut up. And he's so annoying to the psychologist and, who comes to help him. Oh, he's it, so aggressive. Can I point out yeah. that this, this game has dialogue options? And from any indication possible, we were pretty much always picking the nicest option yeah and then he would just be real shitty to everyone and again this is one of those games that offers the illusion of choice but it's always going to go in one direction yeah. this isn't like uh, i mean the telltale games have some variety the until dawn and things like that have variety like i i played different options than you guys were playing just now and it still wound up in the same way uh we, it was i hated him so much that when i got control over the the therapist later i just kind of started being a dick to him yeah <laughs> so i'm like you know what buddy you fucking deserve you this. suck yeah pee in your jug yeah we don't <laughs> care yeah also, for a, for a writer, he has the most basic bitch taste in books. Like they, they're clearly just like reusing assets. So he has like six copies of Little Women. He's got four copies of Don Quixote. He has the Kama Sutra on his shelf three times. Is that a book you read? It's like you look. That's something you look at the pictures for. You know, like especially as a dude who's presumably been single for a long time, just we, hanging out in his house in the middle of nowhere alone. We learn this because he gets a call from like what sounds like a man doing a sketch comedy impression of a woman like oh i i wanted to call you yesterday blah blah blah, blah. like it's so obnoxious and they make her sound really dumb and, but i mean we're just meant to believe that he's this like irresistible beefcake mm-hmm. um he's not he's a jerk and like, uh and a really talentless I, writer and i i think that this is one thing that they the only like main thing that they probably borrowed from actual vertigo which was the uh the femme fatale or the uh, the woman in di- in distress yeah. is actually just playing the main character. Right. It's the whole thing is a setup. Um, she like forces him to have a kid with her. It's a whole thing. He make, whole no, she. Thing. I think she kidnaps the kid. Uh, she comes back a year later with a kidnapped child. Oh right, because he said a thing about not claiming uh, uh, parentage or something yeah. like that. Yet. Yeah, I mean and. You may be asking what this has to do with Alfred Hitchcock. Like there, there are little nods here and there. Like there's a scene early on where the psychiatrist is in a movie theater and we see the traditional Hitchcock cameo in the background. Like we see the shower from Psycho. That, that whole scene though, only there for the Alfred Hitchcock cameo. Pointless. Mm-hmm. And unlike the Stan Lee cameos where it's real quick and we're out of there, it was like a two-minute scene of just a lady eating popcorn yeah. in a movie theater. And checking her phone in a movie theater. Yeah. Rude. Rude. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, I think uh, he, he pulls on a rope at one point. Uh, I think you see uh, he, has, he has trouble with a guy named Harry. Uh, he looks out the rear window. No, I'm making all this. <laughs> like, yeah, no. like, but it, it, this, the, the company microids, they bought the rights to Alfred Hitchcock's name and likeness. And I think their intention was to kind of make this like a Tom Clancy style loose series, like a franchise, you know, like a, a franchise attached to like a guy's name. They do this with like the Sherlock Holmes games too. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Sherlock Holmes games from different developers that are all kind of the same store yeah. style. If, if there's anybody out there who isn't aware there is so many Tom Clancy video games. So many. And they're 
almost entirely unrelated to anything Tom Clancy wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Rainbow Six is the only one that's based on a book he actually wrote, but in Some and of All Fears, maybe, but that's more based on the movie. We'll talk about that. Like nine Rainbow Six games. There's maybe, so many. And there's, maybe even up to like 12. They're super popular. Yeah, um, they're really popular. And they're making a lot of money off Rainbow Six Siege to this day. I don't, somehow. I don't know if we're going to see like like Alfred Hitchcock Siege or like... I guess maybe, <laughs> you could do like a Fortnite-style game, call it Frenzy. Like, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, a, I don't... Dead by Daylight ripoff, and it's just... <laughs> vaguely psycho yeah you're getting chased by a bunch of strangers on a train <laughs> you just yeah. yeah i mean it's uh, uh strangers on a train is so good so good i was so like good. wait did that happen in psycho because i feel like i missed that no, that's no, a no. different that's a different <laughs> movie, hitchcock different movie. movie but like yeah i mean uh, i don't know if there's going to be another game in this series like i haven't seen any announcement on that it's still pretty early you know and i don't know i don't if based yeah, on the a year and a half i think low right? saturation that we found online uh <laughs> it doesn't seem like this game was a hit they didn't have a large market share let me tell you yeah so i don't know if we're going to be seeing any more um i'm not opposed to like an alfred hitchcock game Look, like they're, they're I, very at the end of the day movies for for well, vertigo isn't necessarily the best example but he has a lot of like very like, mainstream popcorn a north by northwest game would be a ton yeah, that of fun, would be fun. I, at the end of the day i don't care as long as it's you know reasonably original ideas yeah. and a good game but like just make a good game don't shell out a ton of money for license. I get it. You know, that's how you get publicity. Yeah. Um, but you start by making a good game. But there's also such a disparity between the the name they chose for this game <laughs> being the most, like, revered and feted of all of Hitchcock's movies. And then you really don't even get close to hitting that benchmark. That's a risky move. It's like you don't want to call a game Citizen Kane and then, like, deliver something like Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo you know like you you want to or, or you know you want to deliver something yeah. like it's going to be not embarrassing to the namesake and and that's the other thing too is the the other main thing like this Tom Clancy that's done this yeah. is they have series but none of them other than I believe there might be a Tom Clancy book actually named Rainbow Six yeah none of them are named after the a book they're all just inspired by the world that tom clancy created yeah yeah vertigo like is actually based on a books. book but i haven't read it it's a french book yeah it's like a or, French, sorry, yeah. yeah in this case movies is the source i say source material yeah but like uh they no they didn't say uh yeah this is tom clancy whatever and yeah. then make something that's vaguely related right like it's just, very it's it's within the brand they, of like yeah. uh, a neo-military like highly technical yeah. strategic warfare yeah <laughs> i i just i read a thing real quick that and it was that they 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 were intending to make a game that was only vaguely related and that was more so related in tone and themes than actual anything else I feel like that doesn't doesn't have to be attached to the movie. That could have no. just been because again, you it's the vibes of Alfred Hitchcock is what you're doing here. Just call it something more related to. But what here's it is. here's the thing that Alfred Hitchcock was always good at, and that is uh, pacing and yeah. tension and characters and like yes. you know all the things that this game struggles with. So like I think it fails in that regard. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I mean, and, but I'm curious, J-Man, I, I hope you play through it. I'm curious <laughs> to see. I'll see if I... Report back if we have like a better, maybe it's like a Monet where it just looks better the further away you are. You know, we, we're, <laughs> we're too close to it to see the big picture. Yeah, and I, I think that we, I don't know if we need to clarify this at all because I think it's already clear. Uh, all three of us are fans of games like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I've, we do. I've played a bunch of the Telltale games, Indigo Prophecy. I had to miss Heavy Rain because I never had a PlayStation. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I have a high... High tolerance for games like this i have a lot of patience for it and this one was just not grabbing me yeah um, not, it's yeah. not it's not good uh, it's not good uh, so i think i think we have kind of what our rankings are going to be i think people can probably guess uh each week so we are ranking the movies and the games that we played on a scale of good movie bad game bad movie good game to uh the two categories in between now here's here's the question uh, are we going to put an asterisk on this uh next week when j band comes back and has <laughs> if, played the if, game if, and changes if you come back and you say oh my god you guys like <laughs> she, then... she changes her score yeah, we, we have can... to retroact that i will allow that yeah, yeah it's not set in stone i will allow that um, but i feel like i don't know i don't want to cut to the chase here but no, i feel like we're on the same page of uh, are, are, are we all on good movie bad game uh great movie yeah terrible game oh okay. i would all say right, like i theme. literally had more fun with et so um, is this your new bottom of the barrel uh this is my new bottom of the barrel wow yeah yeah i i think et might still undercut a little bit for well, me just for e. sheer e. incompetence well and et collapsed the video game industry <laughs> yeah. i mean that's a pretty seismic uh, failure yeah this this video game is not this is a fart in the wind yeah. this I, is like nobody's gonna notice this i, I think like et is just broken yeah and et has gameplay mechanics that if it weren't broken if it was a little better executed probably could have been a game that you sure. could play yeah actually be like hey this didn't suck but this game the first hour and a half had no redeeming qualities all and granted, again, we're listening. It's the translated, uh, but all the dialogue and the 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 writing of the dialogue itself is terrible. Yeah, the acting of the dialogue itself is also pretty bad. Um, and a lot starts, of this can be blamed on the translation, it, it, but yeah. still, it's bad translation. But ultimately somebody made this and what it all comes down to is a lot of like nobody would say that nobody would do that yeah it's both character and even the 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 therapist all three of them like they they all the of the characters that we really encountered um all three of them don't really feel human they're mm-hmm. just kind of um, joyless and they don't yeah they don't behave in any they, way recognizable. they feel like robots yeah and uh the the voice acting was also just bad um, none of it felt believable or good. And in a game where that is the whole point of the game, for the most part, um, that really kills it. And it so you, you don't get the enjoyment out of uh, at least E.T., you know, you get out of the hole and you're like, hey, we got out of the hole. Yay, <laughs> um, we got a piece of th- phone. This game had no joy, just cringe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um so cringe. well thank you everybody for going on this uh, journey into the mind uh what are we playing next so justin is going to tell us what we're playing next week i am on tenterhooks i have no so, idea what we're going to be playing uh i never reviewed the list until last week uh, i probably should have reviewed it at some point i think i opened it and was like ah, look at that another point. it's a big ass i hadn't really read through it but then last week i was going through it and i honestly saw a bunch of games i was like oh i've played that and that and that and that so i was like okay we're definitely going with 
Because what we've been doing is we've been going with movies that I haven't seen for the most part. Yeah. Purely coincidental movies that I haven't seen. Yeah. Because um, I don't think I've Wait, seen any. Wait, not movie. everyone's seen Gotcha? <laughs> I'm trying to think back. Like, I, I know I've seen E.T. at some point, but I have no recollection of having seen E.T. Yeah. And You're so, just drawing as what? What is but, this? So we're You're going. Killing us. <laughs> You're the new master of suspense. Um, Move over, Hitchcock. And I, I think that. Steve may have played these. Uh, we're going with Ratchet and Clank. Oh. Because I have the first, I have every game that came out between, uh, up until the PlayStation 3. Okay. Um, and loved them all. Yeah. They were great times. And this is, it's a mo- It's a remake of the first game and a movie that goes along with it. Um, yeah. For those crying foul, this is a kind of complicated thing because it started as a game became a movie and then they made a game based on the movie based on the game that's actually yes. also a remake of the first game and so and I, it's convoluted as hell but it's great th- this is this will be an interesting one because i haven't played the remake oh, but i so played good. so much of the originals that i am just super excited to see how it uh how it matches up with the original one and i'm assuming uh, you haven't seen the movie no, I haven't. Okay. Have you seen the movie? I have not. Okay. All right. I, 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 haven't, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't played the game. I okay. think I have the movie. You're in for but half I don't a treat. I ever saw it. <laughs> um, that's a, okay. That's exciting. So next week, so, turn, tune in for Ratchet and Clank. This is, I believe, a 2016 movie, if I'm not mistaken, 2014, 2016, around there. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. in that time period. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig into this. I this call is... it my post high school period. Oh man. I, I, I love these games. Um, uh, so me too. I, that's, me too. that's a great call. All right. So we will be back next time for a little bit of ratchet and clank in the meantime. Uh, thank you all for listening and subscribing and, uh, don't follow any blonde women. I think that's the thing I want to leave you all with. And also don't let random men into your hotel room, regardless of how guilty you feel about the way you've treated them. Also don't trust cats. Don't <laughs> What? No. The cat's the murderer. No. Probably. I don't Just know. Spoiler. The cat. Oh, yeah. The cat is the murderer in the video game. I, maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Supposedly. We'll find out next um, week. We'll get the full report from Jay Dan, yeah. who's going to beat the game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, we, will, we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye.